The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. I don't know why it has taken us so long to have Danny O'Neill on the show, other than just when he publishes versus when I have to record the podcast, but he is going to make his debut on Media Noise this week, talking about Draymond Green. We will also uh, have a conversation with Brandon Kravitz about the NFL draft and the way the NFL as a media entity is pursuing new fans. All of that is coming up, but first... Let's start in my wheelhouse, college football. There has been a lot of chatter this week about Urban Meyer likely headed back to Fox to be a part of Big Noon Kickoff. Uh, Both Tyler McComas and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show and said it didn't make a whole lot of sense. One of the things that I have seen brought up lately is how much of a connection to the current college football game does Urban Meyer even have? When these rumors first started to pop up, it was all about does Urban Meyer still have the credibility based on what happened in Jacksonville? To me, that is a very valid argument. The argument of what connection does Urban Meyer have to the current landscape of college football, I think is a little bit foolish. I think we are trying to evolve the conversation when it doesn't have to. I mean, hell, what connection does Kirk Herbstreet and Lee Corso, like anyone on college game day, have to college football? You know, as it comes or as it relates to college football analysis, it's not like the NFL where you have a lot of guys walking off of uh, the playing field and immediately into the booth. A lot of these guys are years removed from their playing days or from their coaching days. Listen, Urban Meyer is going to be made comfortable at Fox. Fox clearly likes the guy. Uh, if you don't, that's fine. I don't. Just acknowledge that you don't, right? He is qualified to talk about college football. He absolutely is. Is he qualified to talk about life lessons? Is he qualified to talk about leadership? Uh, Probably not, but I don't think that's what matters to Fox. So if we talk about this being a bad idea, let's be honest, it's a bad PR idea. Let's not act like suddenly after a terrible year in Jacksonville, Urban Meyer has become a guy that couldn't pick up the phone tomorrow. And, you know, if he were to get hired, I get that would be a lot harder now given his reputation. But if he were to get a big job, let's not pretend like he couldn't pick up the clipboard and walk into a nine-win situation. He is that good of a college football coach. It has been rare that you see a guy in the middle of his playing career already have everybody lining up to say this is the next great superstar in terms of being an analyst for his sport. Draymond Green is that person right now. He is in the spotlight in that way. And over the last couple of weeks, our own Danny O'Neill has taken a look at Draymond in a couple of different lights, from a couple of different angles. And one thing that has stood out to me in your columns over the last couple of weeks Danny, it's just a, I I guess, a little bit of a concern I have about Draymond. He absolutely is a natural on television. We've seen that since 2020. But you've sort of highlighted this attitude that makes me, it would make me weary of anybody, that attitude of, I am here to save the day before I have, you know, taken this uh, responsibility on full time, which he just cannot seem to stop talking about. He certainly believes that he has, sort of the secret sauce to how to save media. I think he has the secret sauce 
on how to have a great media career for himself. I think I think Draymond's a mansplainer when it comes <laughs> down to it. He did it when he he uh, he did it when he talked about sort of how uh, women basketball should market itself i think that was about a year ago and say here's the thing you need to understand and, and megan rapino and and sue bird both kind of stood up and was like hey his comments are well intentioned but he's kind of missing the mark i feel that way when he criticizes the direction of media and says hey this is the way you're supposed to do it you've worked with former athletes before during your broadcasting career and i wonder and granted you may not have worked with anybody as opinionated about the media as draymond green seems to be but how much influence can you really have when someone comes into a profession, any profession here, with the attitude of you are all doing it wrong, watch me? Well, for him, it's going to be very successful because he sets himself up as a contrast to everybody else that's doing it. The challenge is going to be for other people who work with and around him of how do you engage with him mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't devalue what you do. I love him as a content creator. And honestly, I really like him as a player. And maybe this is the ultimate example of you love him when he plays for your team and you hate him when he's on a different (laughs) team. Because I was like, he's talking about media in a way that I'm like, that's one way to do it. Like basically what he thinks is that if you don't know basketball at an extremely high level and want to focus on anything other than what happens on the floor, you're doing it wrong. And that's the reason that media is failing. And I'm like, well, that's wrong. Like, you can cover it in a number of different ways. And media is not failing because people are fail- are, are, and reporters fail to adequately appreciate or document what's going on on the court. I mean, I think it really does showcase how hard it is to make the kind of leap from the floor to the, you know, whatever it is, booth, studio, whatever. Because I think those guys that really get how to do this are so few and far between. The Charles Barkleys, the Shaquille O'Neal's, the Randy Mosses. I mean, you know, you read Draymond Green's comments. You hear them said on not only his podcast, but on podcasts that he's a guest on. I think it was Point Forward where he made this point about the media. Um, And, you know, to me, that's not a media member he's describing. That's a teacher. He he doesn't want to broadcast. He wants a lecture to uh, to the students. Every single day. I think that it's so hard to find that level of a guy like Barkley that is there to teach you something, but is also entertaining. Because I think you can point to countless guys that have gone too far in the direction opposite from what Draymond Green is talking about. Yeah. Look, Draymond's got a level of expertise and an ability to do that. And he's engaging enough that I think he could could never offer an opinion about anything off the court and strictly talk about how th- mechanics are working on the court, and it'd be, he, he'd have an audience. Yeah, Most people in media have neither the, the expertise, and if there are former players that have the expertise, don't have the charisma to be able to do that. There are also other people who are interested in basketball for the soap opera. And, and if you fail to serve those, like that can be your choice as a content creator, but that's a valid approach. It's just one that Draymond Green doesn't like. And that's, that's where I would say where he's missing the mark because that doesn't mean that approach is invalid. And it doesn't mean it's not going to be successful. It's just not what Draymond Green would choose to, to do. And that's why he's a great content creator. He has a firm perspective on what he will provide and what he doesn't want to provide. Mm-hmm. That's why he would be a terrible program director because <laughs> he thinks there's only one way to do this, and there's not. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. And 
he he believes he knows it all, which again makes him a great content creator, <laughs> but a terrible manager. We've all had managers that think they know it all, and you're like, dude, you know how you would do this. You you you're not talking to and speaking to the number of other people that can do this in a different way. You so let's wrap up here because like the the potential for him as a content creator, host, podcast host, whatever the case may be is off the charts, and I wonder, is that a matter of his personality, or do you think that the generation that he has come up in, not just in the NBA, uh, but in general, makes a lot of these guys probably more well-equipped to be delivering uh, their opinions on television, on the internet, on whatever, than maybe some of those guys that were retiring with, you know, Michael Jordan and, and Larry Burden of that generation. Draymond, and I would include Richard Sherman in this category, are two guys that are uniquely qualified to do it because they don't mind pissing people off. Yeah. And that is that is a huge attribute in the media. If you don't mind, you legitimately don't mind. And I'm not talking about trying to piss people off. Because I don't I don't think Draymond intentionally tries to do it. He's unafraid to offer an opinion. You saw it. He was talking about Carl Anthony Towns last week and saying, like, hey, Carl Anthony Towns gets out of his personality when he starts talking trash and it just doesn't fit. And I think it's bad for them. Most guys will not be that critical right. of other players. The fact that Draymond is willing to be that critical and Richard Sherman is someone who's willing to be that critical, too, is what is going to make them incredibly good content creators if they choose to do that. I cannot imagine a less interesting analyst than Russell Wilson. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> he would just be because he doesn't say, he doesn't say anything interesting, and he doesn't ever offer strong opinions about anything, and that that probably makes him a really good team member. It makes it very very boring. And Draymond and Richard are two guys that are not that way. The NFL draft concluded last week. Remember, we told you the reason we weren't diving into any media topics last week was everything was going to change. Brandon Kravitz had a great column about it on Monday. Brandon, you said you feel like the draft has jumped the shark. Never have we had so many different television options. I'll let you make your point in a second, but the the grand overview of the column was a lot of the presentation is not for football fans anymore, and I wonder if that has become something of a necessity has the NFL become so big that targeting sports fans is kind of a waste of their time now yeah but those are the people that want to watch the draft so I think that there's a line there in the NFL this year it felt like for the first time crossed over where they're catering too much to an audience that they're probably not ever truly going to get for an extended period of time now, part of that could have been the Vegas thing. So we'll see what happens next year when they take the show on the road to another city. Uh, Vegas is an over-the-top, a million things going on type of place. And so maybe it fit for, for that particular city. But it also feels like this is just kind of what the NFL wants to do. I think a big part of it is the ABC coverage that you see. So there's diff there are now three different networks uh, of the major channels that you can watch. I mean, there's a million different websites that do coverage too, but in terms of what the NFL really wants you to watch, it's ABC, it's ESPN, and it's the NFL network. ABC feels like it has become very much, even calling it Olympic coverage is probably being too generous because I don't mind stories being told. I think that's where a casual audience is hooked by the NFL draft, but what they've now turned it into is 
let's get the Blue Man Group on an interview. We'll have Weezer perform <laughs> a concert, and let's see if Chris Angel can get his way out of this uh, out of this flak jacket. It's ridiculous. Look, ABC has been involved with their own broadcast now for four years. I, I thought that the idea behind ABC when it started was right. I, I don't care what people say. The NFL draft is not an NFL event. It is a college football event. It should be covered that way. Uh, that is the broadcast that, to me, has strayed the furthest from what they should be doing, what could be an absolute home run in the way this thing is presented. Well, and I think that that's where there's uh, some of that ends up bleeding over to the other other channels that you watch. Just for me personally, I'll tune into ABC just to see what they're doing, just as somebody who's curious about sure. how these different media entities are covering the sport. I, day one, because I'm sort of a geek for Mel Kuyper, I like to see what he has to say in round one. Then as we get into the more nerdy part of the draft in day two and day three, I start finding my way over to the NFL network. But because the draft is one isolated event, a lot of this stuff bleeds over to the different channels. So if the Blue Man Group is <laughs> right, you know right. running amok on stage, that's going to be on every channel, whether you like it or not. If the Miz from the WWE is cutting a promo on ABC about how he loves the Browns and they're going to win the Super Bowl no matter what, eventually he's going to make his way out onto the stage and we're going to see the same type of ridiculousness as he's announcing a pick. I think part of it too, and maybe I'm over serious as I'm analyzing this, but I get annoyed for the players because you get a lot of these guys that step up on stage and it becomes their one man show. We saw it with some pro wrestlers and I like wrestling, by the way, this is not an uh, anti WWE stance. <laughs> Ed Marinaro, former NFL player, went up and did a five-minute one-man show, had to be basically yanked off by a producer telling him to shut up. It all takes away from the players that are being drafted. That's what this event is about. The reason the NFL draft is so big on TV is because football is huge and personal stories will bring in a casual audience. Once you start straying too far away from that, that's where you enter into jump the shark mode. It's almost like the draft is too big and the NFL needs to rein it in a little bit so that the quality can still be wh what it is to get it to the point where, where it's been. I would argue that the NFL draft, and, and we can wrap up on this, I, I would argue that the NFL draft had a very specific formula for a long time. And only really in the last three years have you seen this outcry of, like enough with the grief porn already. Like, you know, you, you mentioned these guys hard upbringing. That was everybody's story. And I right. just wonder if be it ESPN, NFL network, NFL media as an entity, I wonder if there is a problem pivoting because there was such an easy way to do this for so long. And now there's so many different entertainment options. Even if you're a sports fan that you're not beholden to the NFL draft, if you're looking for something in April. Yeah, I mean, and the, the grief porn thing is it's I did notice that a couple of years ago. It seemed like that's where all of their attention was. I, I think mean, stories really can be told to without me. it being sad, too. Yeah, I mean, it really stood out to me this year how little there was of it. Yeah, I think they re they realized the criticism. And I'm wondering if because I know that based on the feedback that I got from this article, I know that I'm not alone in this. Yeah, I think that they're going to I think they're going to go back to the drawing board a little bit and say okay how can we rein this back in we got over we have now gotten to a point where we're over the top because we're so interested in getting that casual viewer nfl and college football fans are going to watch the event no matter what we do how can we get other people i think they went a step too far you don't want 
you don't want to antagonize your core fans while while and this is something we all struggle with in media you don't want to drive away your core audience while trying to bring in others it's a fence that we all have to straddle i think they went overboard i think the fact that they were in vegas allowed them to go overboard easily i don't need a full ice cube concert in the middle of the nfl draft <laughs> if you want to entertain the people that are there that choose to to show up in droves to watch people stand at podiums and read names, by all means, entertain those people. Let's find a way to separate that so that the people that are watching on TV are getting the product that they came for. All right, a big thank you to Danny and to Brandon. I know last week I said I figured we would talk about Sage Steele's lawsuit against ESPN today. And then, you know, I thought about it over the weekend, and the reality is... We probably aren't going to have anything else to report until it's done, right? ESPN is part of Walt Disney, a big buttoned-up corporate entity. Sage Steele and her lawyer, no matter what you think about the lawsuit, have a strategy. They are not going to blow it by going to the media, at least I don't expect they would. So the reality is, until this thing goes to arbitration, gets resolved, whatever the case may be... I don't think there's any reason we need to talk about it because we don't know anything about it, right? I'll talk to you next week. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review and check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.